Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Broadcasting live from our flagship studios in Tampa Bay. From the heart and to the heart of America, you've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And on Tuesdays, we call it... Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha. I didn't see my little indicator there. I turned your indicator light on. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. We don't have indicator lights in the studio. I just was looking at it going, We sound "Mm." so high tech. That's right. (laughs) Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha, as we talk about, right here and I work for him, as we talk about your marriage and relationship issues as it relates to your workplace. If your marriage as a Christ follower is showing a little edginess in a negative way, one of the things that we have seen is that it also compromises the way people look at our Christianity. Is our Christianity for real? Our marriages are to be a light to the community. And so that's why we break away from talk about our workplaces to talk about our marriages on Tuesdays. And so we just invite you to join the conversation. If you're not married, just know that we're talking about maybe your future life. If you've been married, you're like, maybe this is something you can learn from. Any way you look at it, just know and understand that this is not a judgment. We're not judging anybody that's been married, has a messed up marriage, has a great marriage, is thinking about getting married. What we're talking about here is just understanding that our our marriages are a light to the community. You know, today we're going to take a stroll with a couple here in Tampa Bay. As we finish up out this week, our focus on Tampa Bay, before we start moving to cities across the United States, seeing what the Lord is doing today, this week, we're going to be all focused on Tampa Bay again. This couple in Tampa Bay uses their spare time to invest in other couples through marriage mentoring, just like Martha and I. They go to a local body of Christ and are deeply involved in feeding marriages so they grow strong. You know, it's no secret here in our work for him that we're passionate about marriage and about marriage mentoring. There's a desperate need for you and me to invest in the lives of those around us by investing ourselves and our experiences in them. Alan and Julie Colvin are living this out each and every day. Alan and Julie, welcome to I Work For Him. Oh, thank you. We're thank super you excited much. to be here. Well, we're, I'm excited because we've got a car guy in studio today, and it's kind of <laughs> nice to have a car guy in studio because I don't get that very often, do I, Martha? No, I'm just a car girl. <laughs> <laughs> but Alan, you're passionate about Chevy. You're like a Chevy guy. So, I mean, it was, I, it was Restoration Highway Magazine. Is that the name of the magazine? That's one of the ones you write for. Yeah, no, I, I that was actually my magazine. That was yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, who are you writing for today? I mean, you're, you're involved in this whole restoration world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, one of my current clients is Eckler's um, Parts over in uh, Titusville. Nice. Um, they've got uh, 17 different lines of car parts. It's a, it's a huge organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm... They've got a couple magazines over there, and so uh, I'm writing for a couple their Ford magazine and their and their uh, um, Chevy magazine. You just said, Jim's trying to figure out how you write for Ford and, and Chevy. Chevy. Yeah. Like, I know what he's that? thinking. Right I'm there. just thinking it was going really good to you said the it was going really good to you said the f word on I work for him. <laughs> Wow, good uh, for you. If you, if you need an explanation, it's basically it was uh, doing like how tos. And so, um, you know, they they have parts that, uh, you know, they want to have installed on cars. And so I was able to uh, put together a deal where um, I did a a radiator install, went over and shot it and the whole deal Mm -hmm. um, over near um, Titusville. 
All right. And when I, when I made the reference to the F word, he said Ford. Yes. In case you guys are confused. He <laughs> said Ford. That's what it was. All right. So in your garage, the classic vehicle in your garage. Do you have a classic vehicle in yep. your garage? Yep, I sure do. And what is it? A 1971 GMC Sprint, which is uh, the derivative of, of the El Camino. 71 was the first year that uh, GMC actually badged, rebadged an El Camino. And uh, I've had this car for, what, pushing 35 years. It's been a point of contention at some <laughs> points of our Mary's. My wife's saying, you need to get rid of it. And I'm saying, well, I can't replace it. And so the cool part about the car is that it's uh, uh, a real rare model. It's called a Sprint SP, and it's a 454, 365 horse, original motor, original tranny, original rear axle car. One of um, 16 found, four have the four speed of the 16, and mine, of the 16, mine's the only black car. Wow. wow. There so, you go. See, that's a guy. So there has like. to be something to keep the marriage challenged yes. a little bit. And if it's a car, it's a car, it's it's sure. a car thing. <laughs> for many years, that's for sure. But but in in just the beauty of the big block V8 built by GM, the 454, there is so much to talk about comparing that to the power of God, isn't there? I mean, there's a lot of correlations oh, between yeah. that incredible motor. That's right. Do you notice his tone of voice changes when he's <laughs> he talking likes, about he likes it. big block 454? Uh, my, my mom and dad had a Chevy Kingswood estate wagon in 71, which had that same engine in it. Wow. But it wasn't near as powerful because it also was accompanied by a 6,000-pound car yeah. as opposed to the El Camino or Chevy or GMC Sprint. Yep. All right. Yep. Let's talk about why we're here. Let's talk because we were talking about Jesus. Oh, that was all really, oh, cool. really cool. I could do it all day long. I could do it all. <laughs> See, Martha's a Pontiac girl. She, she'd I'm like a Firebird a, girl. She'd like tra- that's okay. a Trans Am yeah. with a WS6 package. That's what go. she really liked. That's what I had at one point. Did oh, you have yeah. one? Oh, See, so we can talk about that over dinner. T tops. Oh, yes. yes. T- I'm a T top guy. Martha likes the convertible. Yeah. I just don't like it to mess up my hair. Me neither. I don't like it either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's the burning on my bald head. All right. <laughs> that could be it. We're going to talk about marriage because it's together on Tuesdays. We're going to talk about how you're passionate about marriages and, and we're talking about also your businesses and how you're incorporating your faith and what you do. But first, talk about how you became Christ followers. Good, Julie, ladies first. Yeah, well, thank you. While the time has flown, too, is I think it's been over 30 years now, and how did that time fly? But um, when I was in my early 20s, I was working, actually, with a, a young man who was 25. This was my first real job out of college. And uh, he was an on-fire Christian, loved the Lord, and was so fun. And actually, to tell a little bit of part of the story since we brought up the Trans Am, I had just bought a Trans Am, and on a Friday, what year? It was a uh, eighty-three, mm. and so I had. I don't know if I'd brag about that. Yeah, <laughs> those are little but, rough years. Yeah, yeah. yes. But anyways, we thought it was cool, and yes. so on a particular Friday, I had bought it and asked him if he wanted to go with me to grab a sandwich because he really wanted to get a ride in that car. And so we went out on a Friday, did that, and um, on Sunday, I got a call that he'd been killed in a car accident, mm. tragically. And so I went to his funeral, and at his funeral, I started to become really convicted about where I was walking in my life, and then really concerned about where I was going to spend eternity. And so that led me down a a few months of just searching and seeking, and um, then finally had a born-again experience after that in seeking God, and have been uh, following Him ever since. Hmm. That's yeah. awesome. That is yeah. really, really cool. And it started over a Trans Am, so yeah. it can't get better than that. <laughs> and what I love yeah. about that story is that, you know, so many people are like, why are you sharing the gospel at a funeral? It's a funeral. Like, no, 
It's when people are ripe That's right. for the truth. I love yeah. that. Alan, yeah. what about you? How did you come to be a Christ follower? Uh, well, um, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents, uh, ever since you know I was born, you know, I always went to church every Sunday. Um, when I was around eleven, I walked forward and made a statement of faith, and um, you know, it was it was sort of a weird situation because um, I think that you know all the guys sat on the back back row. And everybody was sort of expected to, you know, go go forward um, by that time. And I was one of the last ones uh, to do that in our, our group, our small group of uh, guys in the in the church. And so, um, but after that, you know, I got into high school um, and really started to turn my back on the Lord, um, started to do a lot of drinking. And um, by the time I was, I got, a, I was in the house until I was 20. And uh, between the ages of 20 and 28, I really went off the rails. I, I, was, I was a mess. And that led me through the experiences of around when I was 28 years old to push me to the point of, of being suicidal. And so um, I had a gun in the house, and one afternoon I spent the better part of an afternoon, you know, really seriously contemplating um killing myself and um i just got to the point where i said you know god if you're really real and you're really still there um i, I really need for you to show up mm. any 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 showed up and not, every not, time not long not long after that um i was uh, i was born again mm. love that well, so we want let's so you both came to christ different but later on in life but you know, like we talked about, you were in the car with the Trans Am with a n- different guy, and and then Alan He's is making rebelling. More out of the story, I know it's more fun than that. Yeah. It's, it's creative radio. <laughs> How did the Lord run the two of you guys into each other? Well, it was about I, 1988, I think it was, that we met in a big uh, church in Dayton, Ohio, and there was a singles group there, and uh, about 150 met, people. Yeah, about 150 people. Oh, that's wow. a big singles group. The year we got married, uh, 16 couples were married. Oh, that's awesome. That year, and most of them still together, which yep. is awesome. So we were yes. married in 1989. Yep. yep. Hmm, I like that. All right. Yeah. So, what's well, so he met in a big singles group? Okay. So, how did you, you got some interesting careers? You know, I, let's just talk about your I work for him lives first before we get into you know the marriage talk. Alan, you've got a really well, I love your job just because you're playing with cars all day long. You're talking about, but you're doing two different things. How are you spending your days right now? Um, well, most of the time, well, most of the time I'm, I'm actually helping Jalay, uh, in, in her business. Uh, we're about the last six months or so. I can get into that later, but, um, you know, I actually own my own business, alancalvin.com. And, um, <clears throat> basically I, uh, do a lot of, uh, appraisals. I'm a certified appraiser. Um, so I, I do inspections, pre-purchase inspections and appraisals. And then also, uh, I, I write for, you know, certain clients. I was the former editor of, a of, uh, largest Corvette magazine in the country for six years. That's what brought us to Tampa. And so I've been writing freelance since 1987. So sort of interesting because we're both writers, but we are in two totally different yeah. worlds. <laughs> and so, but it's communication. So, uh, we're pretty good at communication, but. Um, that's, uh, I'm, I'm helping my wife a lot more now over the last six months, um, with, uh, pathways to growth, more on the administrative side. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that with Julie in just a second. Okay. So here's a question. You have a hundred grand 
somebody gives you a gift of 100 grand, but to buy the classic that you can afford for 100 grand. What is the classic car that you would buy with your 100 grand? I know that's limiting. Is it my car, car or is it their it's car? It's your car. They're <laughs> giving you the hundred grand, and I know that's not enough money for a 63 split-window vet, so I know that's not enough money it's for almost, that. almost. You're not with the right motor. Yeah, okay, okay. you're right. So, you're right. <laughs> all right, so now with the 427 with the four-speed, and it's not with the air seat. Hello, back to I work for him. <laughs> well, come on, with a hundred grand. I just want to know. Um, One car guy to another car guy. Well, I'm, I'm if, living. if I had the hundred grand, I probably would not go out and spend it because my car still needs to be restored, and because it's so rare... <laughs> I would probably take all the money and put it, or at least a good chunk of it, and put it into the car to make it the way that I really want it, want it to have. That wasn't the question I asked, Alan. You know what? What I want to know is, okay, <laughs> if somebody gives you 100 grand, you have to spend it on a car. What car would it be? Probably a 63 split window, 340 horse, four-speed car. Black, red interior. Oh, I like that. See, I actually picked the right off without even saying anything. Yeah, okay. All right, let's talk about important things now. Cars? And because he can restore, he can, you know, get it under that. 100000 oh, that's right. and then and he take can care do of it. In fact, okay. I found that car for another client one time. Ooh, good job. Man. Okay. You have some beautiful cars on your website. So people that are piqued by this interest, they could go check out, them out and online check it out. Alan, A-L-A-N, Colvin, C-O-L-V-I-N, AlanColvin.com. And we'll have that link on our Facebook page alancolvin.com. All right, so, Julie, how do you spend your days? What does your workplace look like? Yeah, so, well, about, it's interesting, we moved here in 2004, never had ever thought in my life about starting my own business. I worked in nonprofits my whole career, and it never entered my mind. About 2006, I decided to put out a shingle for grant writing, and here we are all these years later. Um, we have a team Right now, to make everything work, we're at about 15, 17 people on the team. And so at Pathways to Growth, we work to help nonprofits to grow and attract uh, money, particularly through grant funds. Um, but we also work to help them uh, to do strategic planning and board development and all kind of the business infrastructure. So my day is spent leading a team of grant writers who are here locally and across the country and then uh, I also do the consulting work um, with nonprofits, very small, from very small startups to very large multi-million dollar organizations. And um, uh, depending upon the time of year, uh, at least half of them are Christian organizations. That's Others are secular. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So what has been your biggest, can you talk about which ones you've helped? Sure. I was going to say, what's been the biggest success story as you guys have invested mm. in with, you know, helping them to grow, strategic planning, board development, which having a, a powerful, involved board without agenda, just their only agenda being that of the nonprofit. I mean, that's a that's a real asset. Yeah. What's been your big, biggest success yeah. story? So I can say the name of the organization. Absolutely. I'm good with that. Okay. They're going to be thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. So it's the Pregnancy Care Center of Plant City, I would say, is one of the neatest uh, turnarounds. So... When I met their new executive director, uh, Darlene Davis, probably 2009, maybe 2010, they their facility was really worn down. Um, they were not in a good place financially, and they were really looking for help. And so they contacted me, and I went in and did strategic planning and board development with them and then helped them to win a grant here locally, which is an amazing opportunity we have in the Tampa area with the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. 
And so they uh, provided them with a grant um, to pay for me to go in and do those things. And then later they qualified for one of the Children's Board larger grants. So every year they're getting about $100,000 a year from the Children's Board now to do their work with um, helping women in crisis pregnancy. Mm. And uh, they now they have a sonogram and they have a totally updated new facility that's fantastic and I've improved their staff, and so um, we went to see their grand opening um, in the last year or so, and wow, I mean, there's nothing like that to go and know that you played a little role in that. Is there a specialty for Pathways to Growth.us that the grant writing that you're doing is, what's your specialty? Is there, a, is there something like, hey, people listening to the show, we'd love you to check out Pathways to Growth.us, that's Alan and Julie's company that they're, they're doing grant writing with. Uh, what is that specialty? Well, you know, we, we write for a wide variety of organizations. So from pregnancy centers to foster care organizations to uh, policy, conservative policy organization. Uh, we recently started writing for out of D.C. Um, so really there's not a, a, a real area that we would just focus on. Um, because we have a wide variety of grant writers who bring experience from all around the country, they've written for a wide variety of organizations. Sure. So pretty much anybody that comes to us, we we can be able to address what, what they're looking for. Okay, because the work that you're doing isn't only for uh, Christ-centered nonprofits, how does your faith impact the work that you do whether it is, let's just say when you're working for a non-Christ-centered nonprofit, how does your faith, as you guys are ministering to them through helping them write a grant, because that's really a ministry, because you're getting these yeah. people funding, how does your faith fit in all yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's been a neat journey, that part of it. So um, in our our uh, policies, procedures, handbook, all of it is very much, we, we let our clients know as soon as we're welcoming, welcoming them as new clients, we're a Christ-centered organization. We tell them this is how you should expect our uh, cl- our uh, writers to treat you. We have scripture to back up. Here's what you should expect from us. Um, and then we also have a person on our team that's in charge of prayer. And so on your she, staff, yeah, on our staff, an intercessor. And, yes, an intercessor ah, on our I staff. I love that. And so, uh, who we'll, gave you that idea? Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we've heard that in a, recently in yeah. two or three last yeah. two or three months. We've heard it several people yeah. that are doing that. Yeah, somewhere along the line, I heard it, and I thought, you know, we need prayer for all of these grants that we're working on. So she prays over every grant that we submit, and then she also contacts our clients and asks them if they need any prayer and um, brings that before the Lord. So those are kind of our principal ways. I love it. Alan, what about you? As you have come along, Julie, uh, to help out using your writing skills and jump it into the Pathways to Growth uh, organization, how do you see your faith fitting into play in what you're doing? Um, I'm, I'm sort of the back burner guy. Um, you know, I've, um, I don't write specific grants for her. Um, I just don't have that talent and ability. Um, but I, I, she really, because of the amount of work that she has, the amount of people that are involved on our team, um, you know, I've, I've been in business for myself for, you know, probably going on 30 years now, um, maybe a little bit longer than that. And so um, I, I basically just brought all my talents and abilities to her business uh so that uh, you know we we could we could make it a, a better place for everybody can only f- hope that you could find a non-profit focused on car restoration you can write a grant for one day <laughs> yeah. 
did you guys, I mean, you guys are marriage mentors, just like Martha and I. You're actually using the same marriage mentoring curriculum that Martha and I have you know, grown using the last several years. For us, seven years already. Did you guys grow up in households where mom and dad loved each other, demonstrated that, and lived out their faith? Go, yes, go ahead, Julie. Yes, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, my parents met when my mom was 14 and my dad was 18, and they're now um, 76 and 81 and still together after all these years. So they have been, even though as I was growing up, we weren't a church-going family. We certainly all are now. My brother, all of us serve in the Lord. Um, but they just had teamwork, commitment to each other, um, servant hearts, um, loyal, and really taught unconditional love in our home. So I was blessed. Hmm. So did your folks come to Christ after you or before you? After me. So they watched yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, nice. my whole family, actually. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Now, Alan, you mentioned earlier that you grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. So did your... but. Some people grow up in Christian homes, but they still didn't see a great example of a marriage. Did your parents demonstrate what a real Christian, Christ-centered marriage looked like? Yeah, um, it was pretty amazing um, to watch them. You know, through you know, growing up, um, my parents went to the same high school. Um, <clears throat> they both ended up in World War II. My dad was an Army Air Corps mechanic. Uh, my mom ended up being an RN. She uh, outranked him. <laughs> and so, uh, but they, I guess, dated, you know, a couple different times, several times while they were overseas. And then, I guess, a fire got started over there or something. And when they came back, they started to uh, to get more serious. And it wasn't long before before they were married. Um, my parents, uh, I, I remember one bad argument in our household. And that's the only one I ever saw. So that's not quite like our marriage. I mean, we... <laughs> That, that didn't really work for us. But, One but, wasn't enough in the call yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, I, you know. We can it, talk about it right now. Guys, let's just, why don't you identify the problem? Let's round the bases okay, together. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was, it was um, you know, they were just great parents. You know, they, they were a very um, close, uh, knit family. Um, you know, a, a Lot of they, uh, we were well known. We were from a small town in Kentucky, and ten thousand people total in the county. And so, my dad was an insurance agent, and um, you know everybody knew my dad. Hmm. He was the type of guy that light up a room. You know, we'd walk into the local local restaurant, and within five minutes, there'd be six or seven people at our pulling up chairs to talk to my dad. <laughs> so uh, awesome. I don't have that. I don't have that either. But you know, they were just they they really. Um, were loyal to one another. A lot of uh, a lot of faith. My dad got Alzheimer's early in life, earlier in life, and uh, my mom, you know, stuck through it. Went to see him in the VA for you know eight nine years hmm. before he died. Um, she, he lived to seventy. Uh, she died at eighty six, so she had quite a life after him. And it was um, they had a great life together. Hmm. Other than my dad getting sick, yeah. right. So let me ask this question, you know, for somebody who's listening to the show and they're hearing, okay, you guys had great examples in your own life leading up for your marriage and and for you to be able to use as role models. So what was it about um, just your environment or things around you that led you to to get to the point where you guys are today, where you have a passion for helping other people in their marriages? Where does that come from? Well, I. Early on in our marriage, it we it was rough. 
And we've said that if we didn't have Christ at the center of our marriage, we don't think we would have stayed married. We were in a blended family. I had been married for a few years um, previously, and so I had a daughter who was um, three, um, who is now our 32-year-old. can't hardly believe that. Um, but um, it was just, it, it was a lot. And then we had um, sickness come upon us, which I can, I know we had talked about maybe talking about that, but I can talk about that later. And uh, we had a connect group that we went to on a regular basis. And honestly, group, yep, sure. yep. And, and it was for marriages and honestly, blended yeah, blended families. And so honestly, sometimes we drove separately hmm. to, there. I mean, we didn't live separately. We never got to that point. But we drove separately because we were so mad at each other. And so <laughs> well, that's better yes. <laughs> than those couples that show up screaming and yelling in their car and they get out of the car. Hey, yeah, I think it's actually more, you know, it yeah. at least shows more integrity. It, yeah. No, yeah. we're just driving separate because otherwise we're going to kill each other right. on the road. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyways, that group and the couples that we met and the support that we had. And then there was an older couple um who also spoke into our lives. And so now, especially since we've been at CFC and we're some of the oldest people there, um, there are a lot of younger couples and we just really, our heart went out to be able to just to minister to them and help them um, have some hope. Mm. Alan, what's your perspective in those early years in the Colvin household? Uh, She speaks the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really rough. And, um, you know, it was, uh, especially with uh, her and her RA, um, it, it really put some real stroke, some real pressure on our relationship that um, we weren't really expecting. So talk about that. Your rheumatoid arthritis came in very early in your marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, about two weeks after I had um, my son Clark, I started exhibiting very severe uh, symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis to where I couldn't hold him. I couldn't walk down the steps in the morning. Uh, quickly got to the point where um, I wasn't really able to work. And so I had to go on, uh, went on social security disability, uh, worked some part-time jobs, but only had a certain amount of money that I could make. So that made things very rough on Alan. Um, he thought he had married, you know, a successful career woman and healthy and vibrant. And all of a sudden I wasn't that I was fatigued. I only had a few good hours a day. Mm. Um, and we really lived that way for 11 years, uh, until I went to a new doctor and agreed to take some new medications, which gave me my life back. Um, and so since then, since like 2003, I don't even realize that I have rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, I have, uh, you know, certainly some deformities in my hands still, but, um, you know, we were able to get our life back and get back on track after that, but it was rough. Yep. Mm. So it really gives you the ability to relate to people that have, you know, something physical that actually causes stress on the marriage. That it's not the marriage, That's but right. it's it can be the the aches, the pains, the financial stress, the disappointment, all of those other things that you're able to really be able to relate to certain couples God brings your way, especially I would think because of where you've been. Yeah. Do, do you see God using that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. Um, you know, it just seems like there's always opportunity that uh, God lays in front of you to be able to speak into other people's lives, and um, you know, we definitely have a a lot of waters went under our bridge, and so you know we we can we've navigated that at least you know to this point, and we we feel you know confident that we were able to help people through all that. So, how many kids you guys have? 
have two. You have two. Yep. Okay. All right. So how did you guys, I mean, managing marriage and illness and two children, how did you keep your marriage as a high priority so the kids knew that even though you're dealing with all these issues, they're still not the number one priority in the household? How'd you guys do that, Ellen? Well, you know, I, I think that we spent a lot of time when we first met each other. Um, we dated for a year before we got married, and we just spent a ton of time communicating. We I, I can't remember. We may have watched two or three TV shows uh, in that time period. It's hard to believe now. But, but you <laughs> well, know. they didn't we, have Netflix where you could yeah. binge watch. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's right. Um, you had to pay, and you had to go your, to the movie theater. Yeah. So yeah. what year were you guys dating? What year you were dating? 80, 89, 88, 89. 89, yeah. So did you have a certain show you guys did watch together? Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay. Nope. nope. But, but, you know, we just really, you know, communicated, you know, a lot. And so um, I think that, you know, that was, um, de- you know, was it was really great for us to be able to, to do that and to, and to learn how to... Um, on the front end of, of our marriage to be mm-hmm. able to, to, to get into um, and be able to get through some of the things that we were able to get through. Hmm. So talk to me about then your kids there. Either of them married today? Yes, our daughter is. Your daughter's married? Yes. Yep. What kind of, of things did she learn from you that she's able to reproduce positively in her own marriage? I mean, do you guys ever talk about her marriage? I know that's one of those dangerous yes. things. As a parent, you're not supposed to ask questions like that. But You know... Um, it, that was a journey for us. So she got married young. She met her husband when she was 17, and he was eight years older than her. Mm. And so, you know, we were pretty concerned about that. Um, they ended up, they, she got married when she was 20, and he was 28. And um, still we were concerned. But uh, what we found out, and we, we say this to a lot of our friends who have older children now getting married, and they're like, oh, I don't know if this is the right one. We say trust in the fact that you taught them and that they know what they're doing because our daughter absolutely knew what she was doing. They have a beautiful marriage together, um, Kara and Tom, and they're, they live outside of St. Louis. They're serving the Lord, very active in their church. Um, they, they just have a great marriage together. So we're, we're really excited for them. And they have two perfect little grandchildren that they've given us, uh, Callie and Rady. <laughs> the only problem love. with them is they're in St. Louis. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah that's hard. Nothing we, we about St. Louis. It's just a long ways from Tampa yeah. Bay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk to me then about where you guys got this passion to invest in other marriages. Alan? You know, I think that I think that it was it was just sort of innate with our with our relationship. I just think that we were just um, we were just meant to do this, and and I and I, and I, I don't know how else to describe it. You know, it, it just seems like it's the, always been the right thing to do, and because so many great people poured into our lives, um, you know, we just really feel like that that's that's what God has for us to be able to try to help other yeah. couples to get through. And and once we got into it, we started really thinking about how yes, we're helping marriages. But we started to really grasp how we were um, ministering into the future, that Mm, we were impacting generations. And we talked to the couples a lot about that, especially if they're thinking they might split up. Um, You know, we say, hey, this this isn't about you completely. This is about your children, your children's children. That's right. 
etc. So. Ministering into the future. I love that. Mm-hmm. Find out how you can get involved in becoming a marriage mentor. It is so important for us all to be mentoring into the next generation. Martha, you wanted to ask something about that. Well, yeah, because, um, you know, for somebody listening today, they may, this whole concept of marriage mentoring might be very, very foreign to them. So I think it would be good to just take a moment and, and talk about what that looks like. And for you guys, I think it's been multi, I mean, there is that, the actual marriage mentoring program. Dare to be different. Dare to be different. And then also some things that you're doing just to build up marriages within your church. So just speak for a moment on what that, what this thing that we're talking about actually looks like. Really, I, I think when it comes to marriages, it's, it's, um, the mentoring is really, about discipleship, mm-hmm. but it's about discipling and mentoring around the marriage as a couple, not individually. And so being able to use Dare to be different as a framework to do that has been fantastic. Yes. Um, it, it's really about bringing alongside a couple that can relate to you. And so early on, we let people know, hey, here's here are things we've been through. Um, and then to help them to feel comfortable and confident and have some hope for the future. And then it's really about investing in their lives. So we spend that time together with them, but then we're checking in on them. You know, how, how are you doing? If we see something of concern on Facebook, which Alan um, has <laughs> wanted to say something about that. He thinks that one of the troubles with couples nowadays is that they might air their stuff <laughs> on Facebook a little too much. Not and, really yeah. an appropriate place. <laughs> no. And, um, but anyways, we, we just really love that. And then the other cool thing has been uh, when our pastors ask us to uh, lead the marriage, the One Heart Marriage Ministry at our church, we said, well, we'll do it, but only if we can develop a team because we knew we didn't want to do it on our own. Sure. So we actually helped to train um, three other couples uh, in Dare to be Different also. So our church has four different couples that are doing that. And Dare to be Different is something that can be picked up by any church anywhere in the country. Yep. DareToBeDifferent.com. Martha and I have been using it for a number of years. Really, I think it goes back to 2011. It is a fantastic... Anybody can learn yes. how to be a marriage mentor, right, Alan? That's right. It's, it's incredible. So, Alan, before the break, I asked you a question, and you wanted to come back and, and get a, a different answer. I asked you, how did you keep your kids from becoming a higher priority than your wife when they were at home still? Well, you know, I sort of fell into the communication side of that and didn't really finish the thought. Um, we did spend a lot of time getting to know one another. And I think that because of of that, we and we were older when we got married. I was 30, Jalay was 28. And so we were really, um, we really wanted to make sure that we did this right. I was getting married late. I didn't want to have to get remarried down the road. You know, I wanted to do this right. And so I, th- I think that we were very purposeful in the way we decided to discipline our children and how that was going to work. Um, you know, we, we, made the, we made the decision that, you know, we would never question each other. If something came up and one of us was put in a position and one of our kids was out of line or whatever, we may not agree on the way that was going to be disciplined, but we weren't going to challenge each other in in the, in the middle of that we would right. talk about it later kids. we also were you know we spanked our kids but it was in a very controlled environment and so you know we it was it was never done in 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 anger and so we were just very deliberate in the way that we that we decided to to try to parent our kids and 
you know we didn't have to spank them very often and it and it's and you know we've we've got very well rounded great kids as adults now that you know we it's not we didn't do everything perfect but we were glad that we did what we did. Well, we give out the 877 numbers. They can call in and tell you how you really did. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it, it is true. I want you, I want the listening audience to hear a couple of things. They spanked their children. Was it because you were, you know, why did you spank your kids? I mean, that's just horrible that you spanked your children. scriptural. We believe that was scriptural. Yep. Yes. yes. I yeah. never got a spanking I didn't deserve. Spanking mm-hmm. helped me understand authority. And also, God was trying to use my parents to scare the stupid out of me. <laughs> yeah. Very important. And I, and I loved the, that fact that you just said, hey, this is what we did. Because mm-hmm. it, our kids need to be disciplined. It's so important. And they need to know who's the boss. All right. And, and what was funny is we tell our young couples that we work with, it's like, you know, when you have children, they are born sinners. You don't have to teach them to be selfish or be mouthy or be rude. And <laughs> it just comes natural. And people are like, no. We're like, really? <laughs> Wait till they're six months old. All right. Let's talk about marriage. I want, I want to really hit. You guys have been mentoring now for a number of years. What is one of the most common things you see couples struggling with today in their marriages? Don't fight one of you first. Okay, yeah. Well, I think it's once they, when we're talking to them and we talk about the real purpose of marriage in terms of the scriptural purpose of marriage to reflect the relationship of Jesus and the church. And when we get that to that point, rather than it being about your fulfillment, now, praise the Lord, he helps us to be fulfilled in marriage and it's an awesome, wonderful thing that he's done for us. But when they can look at it as your servants, you're meant to be servants to each other and reflect uh, Christ's love for the church and, and for each other, um, the, it's like the light goes on. So they also, especially women, and women, I'm sorry for saying this, but especially young ones, tend to over-romanticize um, what marriage is going to be like. Um, and Stop watching yeah. Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's really kind of changing their view of marriage and um, you know seeing how their role what their roles really are to be in marriage as a husband and wife in Christian marriage uh, they they just don't typically have anybody in their lives that have have has uh, um, has shown that to them. Right. We yeah. just get, we always make yeah. it really clear to the couples we work with, guys. Your only job love your wife like Christ loved the church. If you do that. Everything else will work. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. That's hard. Where's <laughs> the thing? Yeah. That's all? They're like, well, okay, like, one thing. Al, what is it yeah. from, a, from a, a man perspective? And we do think differently than women, don't, don't we? Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the things. Is that something you have conversations with young men about in their marriages? Like, you know, that you do think differently than your wife. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the best books from a long time ago was, was, um, you know, his needs, her needs. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, we've started, even here lately, we've started to, you know, suggest that, that you know, our younger couples, uh, you know, read that book because we did early in our marriage. And, you know, it's just, we're just different people. We're, you know, we're, we were created differently for, for a reason, and we look at things differently. And with our marriage, too, it, it ends up being that the, the truth is not always mine on my side or on Jalay's side, but it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is so much in that statement. Yeah. We, we give out love and respect. 
to all the couples to help them understand that the same book, concept. Love the book, Love and Respect. Mm-hmm. Yes, we yeah. and we hand out Love and Respect with a two by four and the book. <laughs> Alan, what do you see most of the men struggling with in their marriages? I mean, the biggest thing they seem to be struggling with. I just don't think they understand how different a woman thinks and feels compared to a man. I think that they're just most people. A lot of people are just totally clueless about the differences of, of, of the two, you know, the two sides of the street. And once they realize that, you know, their, their wife has, you know, doesn't see life the way that, you know, they see it, I think that the light bulb starts to come on. I think it's once the wife realizes a man has a clueless button. I think it's really important. A nothing button or whatever you want to call it. I think that, I mean, that's, it is understanding each other. Martha, I, I keep talking, and you're, you're just sitting there so patient. What kind oh, of question? This is just great. I, I feel like one of the listeners because you guys are covering some great things, and I think that one of the things that um, we really hope that people are just getting a glimpse of is the fact that there are people that want to walk alongside others in marriage. I know for us, um, we have learned and discovered that mentoring other couples strengthens our marriage, yes. and yes. I know we've talked about that with you guys, and it and it. It does nothing but make the, our marriages stronger because we challenge ourselves and go, what would we do and what are we doing in this situation? And, but I want to encourage the listeners that there are resources. There are places they can, they can go if they're looking for someone to walk alongside them in their marriage and to learn how to do it better and do it from a godly perspective. They, you guys have a church website to, that tells <laughs> well, about this, that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. There's a church right here in Tampa cfctampa.org is the website yes. christian family church people if you're looking for a great church that will that is actively proactively fighting for marriages that's a church you guys go to yes. yep. that's right yep, yep. And, and, and if they want to learn more about doing this in their own church they can email us and we can connect, connect you with good information for dare to be different dare to be different. absolutely so if you need if you're looking for a church a place to plug in where you can be used in in the marriage mentoring world if you can be Minister to in your marriage, cfctampa.org. Make sure you get also get a hold of these guys at pathwaysofgrowth.us. Alan and Julie Colvin, thank you for being on I Work for Him today. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's fast. Sorry, it's fast. I told you it was going to be fast. <laughs> Martha, there's just so much we could have talked about today, but we didn't get a chance to. But it was great. We did talk about a lot. We did. DareToBeDifferent.com, CFCTampa.org. Those are your connections. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I Work For Him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iworkforhim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iworkforhim and online iworkforhim.com. I work the number for him.com.